the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, June the 8th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 16, or in 6, excuse me, 632, Muhammad, the founder of Islam, died. He did not rise from the dead. He's still in the grave. He died today in 632. Today in 1845, Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, died in Nashville, Tennessee. He, too, is still in the grave. Today in 1864, Abraham Lincoln was nominated for another term as president during the National Union Republican Party's convention in Baltimore. Today in 1968, authorities announced the capture in London of James Earl Ray, the suspected assassin of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Today in 1978, a jury in Clark County, Nevada, ruled that the so-called Mormon will, purportedly written by the late billionaire Howard Hughes, was a forgery. Remember all that that was going on? I'd forgotten about that till I saw that in the things that happened today in history. And uh, there was all that, I mean, much to do about his wealth. And he had a lot of wealth. I can understand people wanting to inherit it. But... Uh, I remember this now that I read it. it. It was just in the news day after day after day. It was very intriguing. still is. Today, in 1998, the National Rifle Association elected actor Charlton Heston to be its president. Among other things that Charlton Heston said, he was a great uh, outdoorsman, sportsman, a hunter, hunted in Alaska a lot. He said, I remember him when he accepted the, the job as the uh, president. He walked to the podium holding a rifle uh, in in one hand, and and he said uh, something to the effect that the liberals will have to pry this gun out of my dead, cold hand before they take away my guns. A lot of people agreed with him. Today in 2018, celebrity chef, chef, uh, author, CNN host, Anthony Bourdain, he was found dead in his hotel room in eastern France. The authorities determined... It was a suicide. So often, so often people give their lives in pursuit of what they think will bring happiness, and in the end, it does not. And often they come to a point where they can only think of ending their life because they have no hope outside of Christ. Really, there is no hope in the human experience. It is all ultimately hopeless. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is alive today. He died to forgive you of your sins. And those of us, more than two billion around the world, claim to have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Those of us who have and have truly accepted him into our heart and committed our lives to him, we have hope. We have hope, and we hope not only in this life, But eternity is settled, and we have that hope as well. It's a hope that those outside of Christ cannot know. 
but all can come to Jesus Christ and accept him as their personal Savior. If you have not done that, man, you need to do it. You need to think about that. You need to open your heart and pray a prayer and ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and come into your life. It changes everything. It doesn't do away. I mean, all the problems and the challenges don't evaporate, but it changes every single part of your life. Even the way you look at the world around us that's burning and collapsing and going to hell in a handbasket, as they say. You just look at things differently. You look at them through the truth of God's word, the never-changing, absolute, infallible word of God. That's called a Christian or biblical worldview. And it does. It changes everything. Joe Joe Biden's campaign yesterday was kind of put on the spot. And uh, Reuters, among others, but Reuters was really pressing this to the Biden uh, folks. And um, as you know, there's a movement now, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, just for a moment. But um, there's a growing move now to defund. And now the, the next step beyond defunding police departments across America is to simply ab- abolish them. Just get rid of the police department. Have no police. They're talking about seminars. They're talking about um, self-policing and all these kinds of things that are ludicrous because you put that up against the human spirit. The human spirit, our founders understood that. And long before our founders came on the scene, every leader in history understood that people do not police themselves. The Bible is very clear on that. It talks a lot about it, the Old and New Testament. That's why God gave us the Ten Commandments and other things that are not suggestions, they're commandments. Our laws in America were extrapolated from the Ten Commandments, for the most part. That's the basis for our legal system in the beginning. It's been attack on every front and every side, but that was the founding consensus of our founding fathers, that we would use the Word of God. John Locke did a lot of work in extrapolating from God's word, God's truth, laws that could become civil laws based on God's truth, his word. So that that has been a part of the human experience since the beginning. But now we have these enlightened people, progressives, they call themselves, that are demanding that we, because there are, there are some bad situations. The police have done some bad things recently. I mean, there's no question and there's no excuse. But to abandon the idea of law and those who enforce the law, that's very dangerous. But that's where we are. So Reuters was pushing Joe Biden and his campaign yesterday, and they were wanting, they were asking him, what do you, they were saying, what do you feel about the veto-proof majority of Minneapolis City Council members that announced yesterday that they are disbanding the city's police department um, nine of twelve, and they, it can't be overturned. I mean, it's it's veto proof, and they're abandoning the um, the police department there. And uh, Biden wouldn't answer, and his spokesman said, "We have no comment." I thought that was an int- on something that is is you know has the nation captured, and they're looking at. All of us are aware of what's going on. Biden has no comment because he hadn't really thought it through. He probably didn't know what to say. He wants to be on both sides of that issue, just like he is with his spiritual 
uh, person. He says he believes and embraces his church's belief on the sanctity of life, the Catholic Church. On the other hand, he said he believes in abortion. He doesn't believe he should put his uh, impose his views on the public. That is the most cockamamie thing I've ever heard a politician say, but he said it repeatedly, and he'll continue to say it in his march to the presidency or defeat thereof. Congresswoman Ilan Omar, she's a Muslim from uh, Minnesota, she put her support behind the Minneapolis uh, uh, Council as well. She said, "It's time." I'm quoting her, it's time to disband the Minneapolis police force and reimagine, reimagine public safety. What does that mean? Nobody knows. She doesn't know. Sunday afternoon, the Spokesman Review is reporting that several thousand people marched across Spokane's Monroe Street Bridge. Speakers were calling out for about police brutality and calls to, yes, defund the city's police department. In Seattle, Wednesday's demonstrations were all dedicated exclusively to defunding and demilitarizing the police. Majority of members, as I said, in Minneapolis yesterday... 9 to 12, veto-proof number. They said we will abolish, basically, the police department of the city. Another Muslim councilman who was part of that vote, Jeremiah Ellison, he promised the council that we will, quote, dismantle the department. Do they really believe that self-policing and all of this will work? Seminars? The Bible speaks of a spirit of lawlessness, and it has to do specifically, and I, we don't have, I don't have time to get into the Bible study aspect of this, but it, it has to do specifically with abandoning God's spiritual laws. But in every case, the spirit of lawlessness, once you abandon God's laws in your heart, and this is what the Old Testament is speaking about, this is what Paul was writing about and others in the New Testament— The spirit of lawlessness is a casting off of restraint, so there is no restraint for anything because anything you want to do is right. It's justified because of the noble end that you're pursuing and because truth is relative, and your truth determines what you can honestly do regardless of what it is, and that is the formula for failure and chaos and confusion and lawlessness. That's why we need a Savior. But that's where we are in our world today. Interestingly enough, yesterday on Capitol Hill in Seattle, a guy drove into a crowd and started shooting at him. The crowd was there, basically, among other things, advocating to dismantle and get rid of the police department. Who did they call when this guy first started shooting? They called the police. I'm not here today to defend the police. They've done some, some policemen and women, I suppose, have done some horrible things. And they need to be held accountable, and they are being held accountable. But good grief, these people are crazy if they think we can get, a, get, a, get rid of all authority as far as the laws are concerned and sit around and read some books and discuss things abstractly in rooms like classrooms in public educational institutions. Do they think that will really bring order to society and fairness and equity and equality and tolerance and all of this? 
They can't possibly believe that, but they're so caught up in their own thinking and their own agenda that maybe they do believe it. I don't know what they believe. All I know is it won't work, and not because I'm so smart. I've just read a little bit of history, and I think everybody that has gets around to that at some point. You can't, you can't hire enough <laughs> cops or authorities when people's hearts are darkened and their conscience is seared and they have cast off God's laws because they will cast off man's laws as well, whatever they may be. Got a, uh, an email here a while back from a person who said that she had just started listening to the program. Things had turned. She'd been laid off and uh, just asked that we would remember her in prayer. And, and we responded to the email, as we try to do most all the, of them that we get, although we're getting more now. But we try to respond, and we did remember her in prayer. Got an email over the weekend It says, I just have to say thank you for your great ministry. I always look forward to your live show, knowing that your information is always current and relevant to my life day to day. You're a much-needed voice of reason in these upside-down times that the Bible speaks of. I wanted to give you an update since I last contacted you. That was the contact here some time ago about asking us to remember uh, her in prayer. I feel like you would... Care, uh, care about the impact you, uh, that you make in, your li- in your, uh, the lives of your listeners. When I first started listening to you daily, shortly after the Wuhan lockdown, I was drinking heavily. I could consume a box of wine in two days. I was in the deepest pit of shame and guilt. I have been a Christian for many years. The isolation was overwhelming at first. I was laid off from my job on March 26. My unemployment was delayed. I just got, uh, started receiving it last week. God is good. I started praying faithfully, began discipling myself to read my Bible consistently, disciplining myself to read my Bible consistently, even while continuing to drink mostly all day. I knew I could not continue in such a hopeless state. I did not want to end my life that way. God tested me to find out if my faith was real. Whom would I serve? I made my choice one moment at a time, knowing God is faithful to provide a way of escape when tempted, I have completely I have been completely sober since May five, and have made it in His strength during these most uncertain times. I am so happy. Like Paul said, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. I made that my prayer, and also added the word sober to it. I start a new job next week. I start with ben- uh, medical benefits. Even in the most difficult days, God is still on the throne, and because of his good name, he cannot let those who profess to be Christians bring shame to his holy name, something I felt a great deal of shame about. I've learned so much. I loved your piece on Donald's Bible. That was uh, something we talked about here a while back, about President Donald Trump's Bible and the story behind it. We wrote an article on that as well. She said, he is so attacked. I thank you again. Many blessings to you and your family. Best regards. Thank you. And thank all of you who support this ministry. We talk about what the current events, we talk about politics, but at the heart of what we do here every morning, we originate live at 9 a.m. West Coast time, Pacific time. Some of you are listening 
a bit delayed, an hour or two or three. But every day we come to the microphone to talk about what's going on in our world in that moment, often in today, whatever that day happens to be. But always, always with a passion to see God work in the lives of people, change their hearts as he changes their life, answer their prayers, meet their needs. That's my heart, and that's been my heart throughout all of our ministry. From the time I was a very young man, became an ordained minister. That's what this is really all about. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for your support. We, as I've said so often, we would not be here if it were not for you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. The New York Times sees the moment over the weekend publishing a long and labored feature story. I won't put you through that. But I did want to mention a couple of things in the article. The story is about Republican leaders, how they're taking a public stand, the New York Times says, against Trump in the 2020 election. They're supporting Joe Biden, and they're asking other Republicans to do so as well. But they're not just talking. And the New York Times is right. I mean, what they're saying is correct. Last Monday... This group filed official documents to form a super PAC. It's called 43 Alumni for Biden. The 43 is President, former President George W. Bush, the 43rd President of the United States. These are all people that worked for him previously that are starting this organization, but others are joining. Colin Powell from the Bush administration, he's all in. Sadly, Generals Mattis and Kelly, both of whom have served in the Trump administration, they're in too, they've joined the parade to elect Joe, Joe Biden. (laughs) New York Times breathlessly notes that, quote, it's one thing in 2016 for top Republicans to take a stand against Donald J. Trump for president. He wasn't likely to win anyway. That was the way the thinking went, at least. There was no ongoing conservative governing agendas that would be in danger. In other words, it would just continue as it was with with Barack Obama had Hillary won, and it would have. The 2020 campaign is different, the Times says. Opposing the sitting president of your own party means putting policy priorities at risk, in this case appointing conservative judges. Yeah, I would say that's definitely going to be at risk if Joe Biden is elected. Sustaining business-friendly regulations and cutting taxes, as well as the volcanic wrath of Mr. Trump. The Times either ignores or they're completely uninformed. I think they're ignoring it. As to how important the sanctity of life is to the conservative evangelical and conservative Catholic voters. They really don't care. They If they can round up enough far left, sort of left, And then all the Republicans that are, well, they claim, there's a word for that, I'm sure you've heard it, rhino, but they claim to be Republican, but they act like the other side, politically. I don't know their heart, I just know what they do. Mitt Romney, he's all in, of course. Many of us gave our money and our vote to George W. Bush, I did. 
Knowing his father was liberal, I knew his mother and his wife were pro-abortion, but somehow I believed that he was none of that. Yet he seems to be all in on this. That's very disappointing. Kind of hurts a little bit, to be honest with you, but that's not the point. Mitt Romney is the consummate loose cannon. He's rolling to and fro on the deck of life's ship of fools, as Plato mentioned. The new movement is made, just made for Mitt. He hates Trump. He's still smarting over his presidential losses. He's been trying to get to Washington, D.C. since early 2000s, 2008, 2012. He just wants to be there. I'm certain. I'm certain. That's his life's goal. How the LDS Church can continue to support Mitt Romney in his positions that he takes, I don't know. Because the the Mormons that I have known, and I've worked with some of them on the marriage issue in Washington State some years ago, man, they were all conservative. But Mitt Romney's all over the place, but they seem to support him in Utah. I don't know. We'll see if he gets reelected. I suppose he will. But why would they be so supportive of him? I don't know. I guess because he's a big deal, and his dad was a big deal. But last Monday, the group formally filed the paperwork with the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, named for the 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush. The plan is to get rid of Trump. It doesn't matter what happens to the country. It doesn't matter what happens to conservatives and Christians. Got to get rid of Trump. It doesn't matter how much abortion is expanded. It doesn't matter how much gay rights are expanded. It doesn't matter what happens to the economy. It's only about getting rid of Trump. The Hill, it's a left-leaning news organization. It's widely read. They noted that the paperwork filed with the FEC lists Karen Kirksley as the PAC's custodian of records and treasure. That's the two most important jobs in a PAC. We had a Faith and Freedom PAC at one time. We don't now, but we had it for a couple of years for a specific purpose. And the lady that ran ours was well-known in Washington State for doing that. It's a very important job. Kirksey is a former Treasury Department official from the Bush 43 administration. She's going to run this super PAC. What are the motives? I mean, do they really not care about the country? I don't know. One of the interesting possibilities in Romney's obsession to get into the Oval Office, it could be, it could be driven by what's known in Mormonism as the white horse prophecy. You may or may not have heard of that, but it's well known among Mormon people. Last October, Judith Freeman, she's an author and a fellow Mormon, she wrote an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times, and the op-ed reflects the generational ties of her family, which is the Flake family. Remember Jeff Flake, who wasn't a Republican. He was really a liberal but he was kind of under the banner of Republican. He finally just dropped out. He had no support left in his Arizona district. So he dropped out. But anyway, she writes this this op-ed in the Los Angeles Times about the generational ties of her family, which is tracing back as the Flake family and the Romney family. It's an interesting story. It involves the ancestors. I wrote an article about this today, and you can go to that faithandfreedom.us. You can link to the, these that article and other things that I'm saying right now because I put the links in there, the sources of where this information is found and much more. 
But it's an interesting story. It involves the ancestors, their many wives, polygamy, unpaid debts. I mean, it's kind of humorous, a part of it, but it's very revealing. It's very informative. But in her story, she says this, quote, Mitt and I have yet another connection, stranger and even more powerful than polygamous ancestors. It's something every child growing up in a Mormon household in the 1950s had drilled into their heads. She says, we were told one day, I'm quoting her, one day the Constitution of the United States will hang by a thread and a Mormon or a group of Mormons will save the nation. She said, this is not a casual statement. I'm quoting her. It was repeated over and over, year after year, in Mormon congregations across the land. It wasn't only Mitt, the privileged son of the governor of Michigan, or like me, the daughter of a shoe salesman in Ogden, Utah. This is what we were all taught. The White Horse Prophecy, she says, was supposedly uttered by the founding prophet of the church, Joseph Smith, in 1843. The words he is said to have pronounced while standing before a copy of the apocalyptic painting, Death on a Pale Horse, by artist Benjamin West. She continues, she says, and I quote her, For years it has been repeated by bishops, prophets, leading Mormon politicians, including Ezra um, Taft Benson, Eisenhower Secretary of Agriculture, and later President of the LDS Church, even Utah's Orrin Hatch, now retired but the longest-serving Republican senator in U.S. history, has referred to it in the past. Freeman continues, she said, Mitt Romney's father, George, said in 1967, when he was a U.S. presidential candidate, that the question of whether we are going to proceed on the basis of the Constitution would arise, and at this point, government leaders who are Mormon would be involved in answering the question. Now, maybe that's at the heart of all of this. Maybe he's driven by his religious beliefs. I don't know. But D.W. Wilbur wrote an interesting article over the weekend as well, and he was talking about not Mitt Romney so much, but Generals Mattis and Kelly. And he said they should take some advice from General MacArthur. Wilbur writes often, and he was in town hall over the weekend with an excellent article. After affirming his gratitude for their service to America, Wilbur asked if these two distinguished generals really believed things were better under President Obama because because Biden would be a very weak extension of that. Obama's going to be calling the shots behind behind the scenes. I mean, we've already seen that. He will decide, or he'll be part of the decision in, in deciding who Biden chooses for his vice president, should he win. The vice president will probably become the president. I don't think Joe Biden can last four years. I, I've watched him, and I say this really not with any... Uh, ugly motive. I just, there's times when I feel sorry for him. He can't speak publicly. And you can't be president of the United States. I mean, can you? If you can't talk very well. I don't know. He suggests that maybe the generals weren't paying attention when Obama declared his goal was to bring about a fundamental transformation of the United States. And Obama did. That was his theme in eight years. He wants to transform America. He wants to do all the things the liberals are addressing out there now. And so this is where we are today. I have much more to say, but my time is gone. So that's why we'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. But this is a time to remember our nation. This is a time to pray for our leaders. This is a time to ask God to forgive us of our sins and heal our land. 
There is much, much going on today that will be destructive to the America we love if God does not intervene. I'll see you right here tomorrow.